what is one or two benefits you get from not having deeper, more intimate relationships at work? That's an interesting question. I'm not going to have a deeper relationship. Because if you're doing it, right? We say we want this one thing, but usually the thing we say we want isn't happening. A part of us, because most of the people we talk to are high-functioning individuals like you, a part of us is actually committed to having it just the way it is. Hello, Leah. Hi, Sue. Hi. It's good to see you. I know. It's nice to be in the same room. Yep. So what's hot for you today? What's alive? I've recently made a change in my personal relationship. We've changed who's in charge of what at home. And I'm feeling so much more freedom and energy around my work with the support of my partner. Huh. And you had this, this was a consensus conversation? Yeah. We realized we were overlapping in some roles. We cleared that up. And now we just kind of streamlined what we're focused on in our home. And it's, it's amazing. Ah, congratulations. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. What about you? Hmm. Uh, for me, uh, I just finished a proposal for my new book, Humanship, which you have been deeply involved in. And uh, my agent is going to take it to publishers next week. And I'm just really intrigued to see what might happen. I'm incredibly excited about it. Yeah. Ah, awesome. All right. Well, hey, everyone. We know you're here too. You might have checked to see what's hot with you, but we hope something is hot or alive for you in your life today. And then it gets even more alive as you check in with us for one of our first episodes of the Hey Sue podcast in this new format, which is deep, real, unscripted, live executive coaching for leaders. I'm Sue Heilbronner, your host, and I'm joined by my dear friend, Leah Perlman, a treasured collaborator and the co-founder of Welcoming Way. You can learn more about me at HeySue, that's like HeySue.com, and more about Leah at WelcomingWay.com. Today, we're also joined by Ajay Manglani. He is the chief marketing officer at a very fast growing and fast evolving generative AI company. And he will know more than I will know how hot a topic that is. You all will know that. So we're thrilled to have you. Welcome, Ajay. I'm thrilled to have been with you as well. Thank you, Sue and Leah. Excited to talk to you today. Awesome. Leah, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, let's do it. So this is for you, Ajay, for you, Sue, and for everybody listening. We're just going to start with a 30-second presencing meditation. So all that means is you can leave your eyes open, you can close them if you're somewhere safe to do so. And just become aware of your physical body. Notice that you have a physical body. And see if you can let something in that body relax. Maybe it's your arms, maybe it's your jaw, maybe it's your forehead, maybe it's your breath. Just let something relax. And then become aware of your own mind. Is it racing? Is it quiet? Is it fixated on something? Start to notice that you can be aware of your own mind. Just notice that you can be aware of your body, 
your mind. And as we get into the episode today, just notice that as well as the content we talk about, there's also some awareness of what's happening. Keep some attention on your own awareness. Okay. Thank you. It makes me realize that one thing we want folks to do is as we're working with Ajay today, we'd also like them to take whatever value they can get from this coaching exercise and apply it to their own work or their own life. So hopefully you'll play along today. Ajay, let's start with you. Tell us one sentence about what you do for work. I connect products with people. Okay, tell us one more sentence about what you do for work. I talk about how products are relevant to people so people understand they are actually relevant for them. Huh. Cool. Tell us one thing that's lighting you up in your work right now. You mentioned that at the beginning, how fast the space that I'm in is moving. More so not from the technological perspective, but the type of impact it is and will have on our day-to-day lives. Thank you. And what's one thing that's alive and exciting and livening in your personal life? Besides having a lovely family, my wife and daughter, the fact that uh, I'm a believer that somebody is out there, either somebody or something, a power or somebody who is taking care of me, my family. So to answer your question, that feeling is the most important thing in my personal life. That's beautiful. When you think about the people that are a little nervous about generative AI and where it's heading, Do you have that same belief that there is a larger power that's taking care of us in the face of all this change? Indeed. As a matter of fact, it goes back to what Leah, you just did at the beginning of our discussion. And I don't do this thing enough. I should be doing it even more. But if we all do meditate or just try to be aware of ourselves consciously, physically, as well as surroundings, everything else is taken care of in grand scheme of things. We have seen technological advances before. This is not any different. Maybe it is bigger than what the previous generations were. I think personally, we have much bigger opportunities. And I'm using that word with optimism rather than saying challenges to address as human beings and as a society now. And I won't mention that on this call, Uh, we are all aware of the geopolitical challenges that we are going through as a society. Those are much bigger things that we all, I believe, should be focusing on rather than how this technology is going to impact the day-to-day work life. Because work life is not the only thing. Uh, We have physical life, then we have beyond just the physical life, we have the actual purpose why we are here, why the human race exists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sharing that. Okay, so 
Ajay, we're here to do some live coaching on one or two things that you want to talk about. We asked you to come with one or two things you might want to talk about, but we haven't discussed those things in advance. So this will be exciting for Leah and for me. Uh, you know that this is a podcast, so we'll trust that you take care of what you share. We'll trust that you'll take care of your own level of vulnerability. And let's go. What's something you want to talk about? As a leader, there is always this aspect of balancing everything, balancing people. Ajay, can I ask a favor? Would you be willing to speak from I instead of a proclamation about leaders? Just speak from your own personal point of view. Makes sense. I have always believed as a leader, I should be shielding my team from a lot of noise that happens around within the organization. So take an example, coming out of a board meeting, the priorities just get changed, coming out of a big planning meeting, um, the budgets really get cut or reduced in a way. And I have believed that before those things are actually settled down, maybe I shouldn't bother my team or I shouldn't put that in front of my team. Uh, they're already focused. They have a lot of things already on their plate. Um, so why share this? until things have settled down. And maybe in some cases I'm like, okay, their plates are full. I'm gonna take some of that myself and keep doing it as an extra work for me and then share it with them. This phenomena has lately shown very mixed results for me as a leader in a sense that in some cases, there are some people on the team and they are leaders, they're people leaders themselves they understand this and they are appreciative of that fact however majority of the other leaders that i manage um, they have shown a little bit of a different um, reaction to this in the sense that they thought they would have more interest in knowing this kind of things upfront. one thing i want to learn from you how should i balance this love that so just to, to clarify when you say leaders are you saying people who report to you? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So what is some of the feedback that you've been getting in terms of um, the benefit of being told this information? There's no direct feedback in that case. Basically mm -hmm. the feedback is in terms of the, work product or the response to the request. So in a sense that one feedback would be the team feels like, hey, what's happening? I did not even know about this thing. And I've been chugging along on X and now you are saying it's X prime. Okay, but X yeah. prime came out of the three months ago when we had the board meeting. Hmm, so then how do you balance that? Should I say it was the board's decision? Should I say, um, so that is the kind of feedback from the team, that's one way. The second one is they just feel that the upper management keeps changing things, keeps deciding things on their own. Are they right are, about that? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, the intentions are quite the opposite. The upper management is trying to help them. And again, that's why I use the word shielding. So I try to shield them from all the differences, the changes, the organizational movements those might be happening. So this is making me think of the drama triangle and the idea of 100% responsibility. 
Let's do a brief on 100% responsibility, which is one of the core concepts of conscious leadership, one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that there's this ideal level of responsibility that one ought to take in a given circumstance. And it's a hypothetical ideal. It's not an actual, it's not provable or ascertainable in any measurable way. 100% responsibility for you, Ajay, as a leader of people is different than 100% responsibility for an individual contributor who might be on your team or even a middle manager who might be on your team. Everybody walks into a situation with their level of responsibility. In the world of business, we're generally paying attention to people who are theoretically not taking their appropriate level of responsibility or in conscious leadership, taking less than 100% responsibility. I shorthand that by saying 50% responsibility. They're phoning it in. They're in a victim consciousness. Uh, they're at the effect of circumstances in their world, whatever it is. They're, they're below 100%. But in the work that we do, we also pay attention to the area above 100%. And I'll shorthand that as 150% responsibility. That is saving the day, taking care of, shielding your team, making sure everyone's all right, buffering them from whatever dynamics may occur. And there are parts of what you shared where I felt like you might be taking more than 100% responsibility. And there are parts where I thought you might be taking less than 100% responsibility in that model. Can you think about that and identify any places where you see that? I see where it is more than 100%. I experienced that going back to Leah's earlier point. Um, where do I see that feedback? I see that feedback that I'm constantly overbooked with everything. Where do I take under? I'm not able to think right now. Think about you in relation to your board. One of the things you talked about was this happened because of the board. Or in the, you might, are there moments where you deflect responsibility and place it on others, even in your own mind, even if you don't say it out loud? I think now that you mentioned to me, probably looking at it differently, I'm giving less mental space in that case and the bandwidth, the physical bandwidth to other stakeholders outside of my organization. So if you think about it, it comes from board, the CXOs. And now because I am, again, shielding my team, trying to make sure it is done, I'm not paying as much relationship attention to my board. I'm like, okay, I need to take this, what came from the board and the changes. I want to make sure the team keeps doing the day-to-day, -day, which is you call run the business. And this new gamut, I'm going to prepare something. I'm going to provide to the board unless it gets materialized. So yeah, that might be one scenario I'm not paying much attention to. Yeah. Okay. And one of the reasons that we care, or I care, I'll speak from I also, that I care about 100% responsibility is in my experience, when leaders are taking more than 100% responsibility, a dynamic tends to emerge on their teams where consciously or unconsciously, they start to take less than 100%. And, and the reason it, it unconsciously is, especially if they like you, if they see that you like being the guy who shields and like the guy who buffers and the guy who takes care of it all and handles the difficult things so that they can get the business done, then 
they can start phoning it in on understanding the business at a strategic level. At some point, you're going to be looking around to try to find a successor or create a succession plan in your organization or recognize the top performing leaders. And you might well, or I see this in my practice, where in the future, you look down and say, gosh, no one in my organization is being strategic enough. And one reason that may be happening is you haven't given them the strategic insights that you're getting on a day-to-day basis to help shape them to become future CXOs. I could see that. One place I heard that in what you were saying is when they say decisions are happening and we're getting whipped around. So that's a little flag that they're feeling victim to what's happening. So they're feeling kind of weaker or less than 100% able to participate in what's happening. I could see that. One question for you. So for most of us, when we start taking more than 100% responsibility, there's a there's a reason, there's a payoff. There might also be a fear. Well, if I don't do that, what would happen? So I'm curious for you, when you check in on this, I'm shielding them, I'm protecting them. What benefits do you get from being that kind of hero in that situation? Again, it's all mental, like you mentioned. So when I'm shielding them, it's all in my mind. It's not written anywhere. It's not going on any performance review or my quarterly business or executive reviews. It's definitely not fear. I relate to it more as a cultural thing, how I have become what I have become over the years. Uh, So it's a style which is let the team focus on what they have because they already have enough. And that gives me more like a mental comfort in that case, Leah. It's like, okay, I'm letting them do that thing. And uh, that way, A, run the business, they will continue to deliver what they are supposed to be given and delivered. And B, they will feel less distracted because not every request coming out of the leadership meeting, they should know. Because again, to earlier point that Sue, you mentioned, people have different responsibilities depending on um, their skill set, their level in the organization, you know, and all of that. That is the only motive I get out of this. Slide. So I heard you say they have enough. They don't need more distraction. They have enough to do. Is that your estimation or is that theirs? that they have enough and they don't want any more to think about? It is both. I hear from them, obviously, on one-on-ones, on team calls, what and how much to have. Second, you know, ultimately, I have the visibility into the amount of work, the amount of responsibilities, those are being given to them. So I would say it's both. So when you started talking about this issue, you said you want to have a different or a a better understanding of how to balance these things. How do you know that you're not balancing them perfectly if you know that? Yeah. It's everything that we have been talking about so far. So one, uh, things just don't look in balance. I am overworked in that case. My team is, for lack of a better word, a little bit um, always frustrated. Hey, what's going on? We don't know. And uh, so these are the feedback signals that I find that something isn't right. One thing I notice in that is that it sounds like the team both has the work that they are currently doing 
and they're running cycles, wondering, worrying that they're actually are overworked in their not knowing. That's great. And keep in mind, like you mentioned, it's not everyone on the team. There are people, right? So that's why I began saying there is a small group of people who understand it, but then there is relatively large group of people who fall into the category, Leah, that you just described. As far as you know, there may be other people who are a little less squeaky that you don't know about, but, but it sounds like you know, even without the feedback, you know something's off because you know that you feel overwhelmed. So I want to ask if you were to shift this balance, because you talked a little bit about that. This is my style. And one of the things that I run into with leaders that I coach is that once you get attached to something being your style and you've been very successful, you've had successfully more senior roles, successfully more senior roles. So, you know, there's a lot of ego associated with your style. It's been working for you. And I wonder if you were to change this balance even 4%, what's one thing you imagine might get hurt? What would you be putting at risk? That's a good question. <clears throat> and if I change my style, what will I hurt? Hmm. Or if you just rebalance the situation right now, you could keep your style largely the same. You could just in this instance, change this balance. It goes to what I have always thought it could impact on and by the way i have been trying different things now like a b testing i'm in marketing so why not apply my own uh, playbook work playbook to the work environment it could create more distractions within the team in a short run in the long run it will settle down once people get used to it um, and those will be middle managers, those will be the individual contributors. That's something I see that it would hurt. Yeah. One thing I notice in what you're saying, it's a, a common way that we get stuck. So when we feel like we have something we keep bumping up against, usually it's because there's apparently two non-ideal options. Either I can protect them and be overworked or I can share with them and they're gonna be distracted and overwhelmed. And so we get stuck because we feel like neither option is good. And that can be a, a way we stall out in making progress. Did those two resonate with you? It did mentally. And it was all mental thing for me, honestly speaking. Yeah. Uh, and I was gonna ask you this question, how do you propose <clears throat> and what are the frameworks do you propose for addressing this? But lately before I, ask you that put that question on to you lately over the last couple of quarters i have been trying something different i think it is working out and that's why my last comment i mentioned in the short run and long run i have started giving more information to the team as things come up not asking them to do that for example so the recent board meeting several changes obviously came you come out of those meetings and you know there are decisions that are made which are different than the previous quarters I just shared that email with them. Now, this just came out. Few people responded asking, is it an action item? And I said, not now. No, I'm working on it. And it did a couple of things. One, it kept them in the know. Two, it created this open environment where they now can see where and how and when things are coming from, the decisions. 
right or the changes um and then the next one they hopefully i'm assuming are conscious or keeping this thing in their mind that it could come down the road as some change for them but right now no change that has worked a little bit better some people even start to come back um, going back to earlier your point so uh, more strategic questions are like hey tell me what's happening why it is happening they will start to inject their strategic point of view that has started to create i would say the positive cycles of distractions if that makes sense nice one thing i'm struck by what the way you're talking about this it sounds a little bit like you're trying to figure out the right balance in your own head without getting feedback from the team so you know a discussion like would you like to be protected would you like to know and kind of getting some more collaborative input on what the right balance is. That's a fair point. I can use that, yeah. And and then the one thing I just add, if that's something you wanna experiment with is also finding within that your own boundaries because it, it might need to be a good agreement. So for example, they might say, I wanna know everything and the deal would be great, I'll let you in if it seems to be distracting or taking away from the work will make a new agreement or some way to care for what you're worried about, which is if they know more, they'll be more distracted and just having that conversation. That leads to the second point I came to ask you and in the interest of time, if I may. Sure. A lot of times the work keeps going, keeps getting added. Again, we are in fast paced environment with high growth companies and, and many people are like that, I'm assuming. One thing I have always wanted, but I'm not there yet in terms of achievements, is building that personal relationship at the level that is, that is indeed personal with the employees. Um, being authentic is great. I have always been authentic at work myself being candid and being honest with all the stakeholders right and this goes back to Leah, what you were saying like how much you want to share what you want to share all of that i have always practiced that however i feel for whatever reason i could benefit from learning on how to build even deeper relationships while still maintaining that professional environment. What would you suggest? I have some a couple questions arise for me. How deep are your personal relationships outside of work? With my employees? No. Nope just with everyone in the world, like, is there any way that this dynamic is familiar that you have a level of depth, you say you want more depth and more intimacy, but you don't seem to find it? I get it now. For the people in my circle, I have very deep understanding and relationship with them. I keep my <clears throat> circle of friends and family um, 
who are more than friends and family, who advise me on things in life, work, everything else, <clears throat> including my 10-year-old daughter. And all of them I have deep relationship with. Um, but I would say that circle is probably about 20 people. Mm -hmm. So I don't have like 500 people where I'm like deeply, deeply, uh, and I don't know whether that is even possible with other people. I haven't examined that with others. But those 20 or 25 people, very strong relationship. And others, I have good relationship, but not deep enough that I can tell something that they want to solve as a life problem. Okay, Leah, this, this is a good chance for some welcoming potentially. And before we do that, I have one question, which is, is Leah asked you this question earlier. And when I ask this question, it's not it's a not obvious answer probably, but it is likely that if you have relationships at work that are not as deep as you say you want them, that part of you is committed to having shallow relationships at work, especially because we know you're capable of having deep relationships in your life. You know what that looks like. You feel it. It's a tight circle in your mind, 20. I don't know if that's tight or not, but whatever. It's not up 500. That's hard to imagine for me, but uh, you, you know the experience. So what is one or two benefits you get from not having deeper, more intimate relationships at work? That's an interesting question. I'm not going to have a deeper relationship. Because yeah. if you're doing it, right? We say we want this one thing, but usually when the, the thing we say we want isn't happening, a part of us, because most of the people we talk to are high-functioning individuals like you, a part of us is actually committed to having it just the way it is. And if we are committed to that, there's a reason for it. There's at least a few benefits we're getting from having it just like it is right now. Before we can even think about shifting it, we first want to check whether you actually want to shift it. So that's where this question goes. What are a couple benefits you're getting? Work is getting done. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's pretty much at that point, the work benefits right yeah. work getting done is that just to check that's your work or their work is it a belief that if we're not closer we have more time to spend on our work it's the overall work for the organization things getting done right i mean okay. for example to well, give well just to check well just to just to check so i'm just suggesting is the belief that if we have deeper relationships less work will get done possibly yes okay Okay, so that's one advantage. If you believe that deeper relationships will distract from work, let's keep it professional so more work can get done. Sure. Any other benefits that you get from keeping a bit of a distance from your reports? I do not, I cannot think right now other than work, yeah. Okay, okay. So we're gonna do a few minutes of something called welcoming. And this is just a way to look at what might be underneath the surface. It's not obvious to the conscious mind. So think of, just think of one person that you work with in particular, who you think you'd like to have a deeper relationship with. And you can just bring them to mind. You don't even have to name them. 
And see if you can just notice what your relationship is as it is right now and notice what that feels like. And then see if you can find a feeling of wanting, any wanting for it to be deeper or more connected. Just notice what it feels like to want that. And then notice any wanting to keep a little professional distance. That's what's been happening so far. So see if you can find the part of you that wants professional distance. And then again, find the part of you that wants more intimacy, more connection, more depth. Just let that wanting be here. And then the part of you that wants professional distance, so work gets done, just let that be here as best you can. And now when you think about this person or this topic, what are you aware of? Any thoughts, emotions, or sensations? It's a very broad question. Can you provide a little yeah. bit more? Yeah. Yeah, so bring the topic again to mind. I want deeper relationships with the people who work for me. And when you think of that topic, just notice what's the first thing that comes up. It might be an emotion. It might be a thought. It might be a, a, a picture in your mind. Smile. A smile. Okay. Smile on both sides. Cheerful yeah. environment. Very yeah. Comforting environment of us sitting together, having a good talk. That's the first thought comes to my mind. Okay, great. So we'll just take one more minute to look at this. <clears throat> so just allow that smile, that image of this warm work environment. Let that image, that idea be here now. Let yourself fall in love with that a little bit. What are you noticing? Joy. Okay. So now imagine a really efficient workplace where there's not a lot of small talk and everyone's getting their work done. And just let yourself like that as much as you do. No more, no less, just as much as you do. And then finally, open to the possibility that there can be warmth, depth, connection, just like with your circle of 20, and an efficient, effective workplace. Just open to that possibility. So bringing both of them together? Yeah, it's going back to the very beginning of the conversation, to that person or higher power, the sense that maybe it's possible to have both an efficient workplace and deeper connections, that you're not in some kind of false dichotomy here. And just open to the trust in that without even having to know how that's gonna happen. And okay. just let that seed be planted and see, see what happens this day, this week in your relationships at work. I like that. I like this framework. Great. I like that too. Thank you. If you want to get more meditations or uh, processes like that, visit welcomingway.com 
or check out Welcoming Way on Spotify to have some audio versions of those meditations. Jed, I'd love to hear one thing you got out of being here with us today. The reason I'm taking time is I got more than one thing. So I want to give you one thing. I would say the last actionable playbook that I received, that was helpful. That was one thing probably at the top. And obviously there are other things, but I would put that. Nice. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our guest today has been Ajay Manglani. He is a chief marketing officer in the very, very fast-paced, hot area of generative AI. And we're just delighted that he's been willing to share this experience with us. If you or someone you know is a business leader who wants to get a coaching session in exchange for sharing their truth on this podcast, we want to hear from you. Find me, Sue Heilbronner, on LinkedIn, send a connection request, and drop me a note there. I assure you that I will respond. And I want to leave you with one ask. If you liked this show, if you come back and listen to others, please take a moment and rate this podcast on iTunes or Spotify. And Leah, anything else? I just want to thank you, Ajay, for being so open and vulnerable about what you're working on. It can help other people. And it leaves me with absolutely no doubt you're going to have the kind of connections at work that you're wanting. It's we been will, a pleasure. We will see you next time on the Hey Sue podcast. Bye.